What a great song. If you would, this morning, take out your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke. Uh, anybody else like to travel? You guys, anybody travel, like to travel, go to different places? I don't just mean to enterprise, maybe overseas or something. Well, we love to travel, and we love to go to different countries. It's one of our, Jennifer and I, one of things we love to see what the Lord's doing in different places. And one of the places I want to visit, I haven't, is Switzerland. Anybody been to Switzerland? Yeah? All right. And you know what's so amazing about Switzerland? I actually don't really know what's so amazing about Switzerland, but their flag's a big plus. All right, turn your Bibles with me to Luke 16. Come on, that's a good one. You get it? Flag's a big plus. Luke 16, 14 to 17. Um, so we're, you know, sometimes I'll preach on whatever our worship theme is, and that's what we're doing today. And, and we're preaching really a two-part series on idolatry, which is our worship theme today. And then also next week, Caleb will tackle it from 1 Kings uh, chapter 11. So we haven't been in Luke in a while, so let me just give you some information that will help you understand our context. In, in Luke 15, Jesus is eating with sinful outcast people. And so the religious class, the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they grumble at him, saying, ah, oh, this man eats and receives sinners. And Jesus says, well, it's actually much more than that. I, I'm the shepherd sent from God to seek the lost sheep. This is 15. The lost coin, the son who has left his father. In fact, I've come to seek and save the lost. Now we move to chapter 16. And he teaches, starts with a parable of the dishonest manager, and then he concludes with this to the Pharisees. You, look, you can't serve two masters. You, you can't serve God and you can't serve your possessions. And he puts his finger really right on their problem and it, that, it, it's how they see life. They, they, they divide it between sacred things, the things that, that I do for God which please him, and then the secular things, the things that are mine in my life to be enjoyed which are, are, are for me divided life between two masters and when he challenges them they don't like that and they ridicule him but my friends it's very easy isn't it for us to, to serve two masters to divide our life between the religious things that we do the religious realm on one side and then the rest of life which is mine that we then wrap our arms around and Jesus is pushing on that. And he says, you know, you actually don't have the ability to really serve two masters. You, you don't know your own heart. You, you, you can't do that. And when you try, you're going to end up hating one of them. So let's read Luke chapter 16. Start at verse 10. One who is faithful in a little very little is also faithful in much and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth who will entrust to you the true riches and if you have not been faithful 
and that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all of these things, and they ridiculed him. Stop there. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, we don't want to be men and women with divided hearts. Father, we want to see and love and savor our, the person of Christ more than all of the things. Lord, we don't want to be two-minded. We want to be single-minded, Father. And so teach us now, reveal our own hearts to us, and be glorified. Let your Holy Spirit please work in our hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Robert had just bankrupted a poor man in our church, and when I confronted him about his business activities, he said, Rusty, that's business. That's not my faith. That's not the church. That's just business. You see, Robert had started a business with his best friend, and um, they made shoes. And it went very, very well. The the best friend handled the, the factory side of it, and Robert handled the, the sales side of it. And they were, they were a dynamic duo. They, they did incredibly well. Well, Robert saw that there was competition coming into the market, and he saw a major dip on the horizon that his partner did not see. So he came to the partner. He said, you know, I think I want to do something else. Um, why don't you either buy me out, or we'll just sell the whole business to someone else. And his partner having invested so much, said, well, I I guess I'll buy you out. So they came up with a sum, which was $350,000. The the partner who had a young family went to the bank, borrowed the money, gave it to Robert. Two years later, he was bankrupt. He was bankrupt. And when I went to Robert, he said to me, Rusty, this is business. It's not my faith. It's not the church. You don't understand. If I just went around loving everyone, I would, wouldn't make any money, now would I? <laughs> and before Robert moved away, he started several more businesses bringing great pain to everybody that worked with him. Now, you might say, okay, what was the problem? He had two masters in his life that he was trying to serve, didn't he? It, it's very much like Luke 16, that it's the same issue that Jesus is dealing with here with the Pharisees. Jesus tells the Pharisees that, you know, you're not actually able to have two lords in your life, two supremes in your life, like God and and the money that you have or or you look to. And if you try, you're going to actually end up hating the one, and you're going to end up loving supremely the other. See, the, the Pharisees look to two masters to achieve two different goals in their life. So, so to God for their religious goals, salvation, separation from dirty people, power in our community and prestige, and, th- and then their possessions to achieve a very different set of goals, my comfort, my honor, my own kingdom. And often, isn't it true, my friends, that often that, that is how Christians live as well? right? 
Jesus accomplishes my goals of going to heaven, of knowing that I am forgiven, but he really plays no part in accomplishing the other goals in my life. So my possessions, my money, my relationships, or my sports is what we look to to accomplish my day-to-day goals of comfort, happiness, acceptance from people. You see, so we have these two different arenas, don't we, going on. And the problem is that when we look to those things to accomplish my goals rather than to Christ, our possessions begin to possess us. Your possessions will begin to possess you, which means the things that you think that will serve you and provide you joy will end up possessing your own heart and taking control. They begin to rule over our emotions, our desires, our joy, so that everything in the world swells in importance. And instead of living for Christ, we find that we're living for possessions or money or relationships or sports or career or power because that's actually where we're getting our significance from. And because we're not able to serve two masters, the role of Christ in our life, it shrinks and shrinks to almost nothing except for ticking the box on Sunday morning. Lou Friola says, there are two sides of idolatry. The, the first side involves neglecting God, and the other involves replacing him with a cheap substitute. <laughs> so here's the main idea today, that w- when the heart is divided, your possessions will possess you. When, you, when your heart's divided, your possessions will possess you. Okay, so let's start here. Verse 13 and 14. You can't serve two masters. Look there in the Bible with me, particularly at verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Notice those words. You can't serve two masters. Now, a a servant, what he's talking about here is a person who was under the household leader's authority. So the householder's authority, he was under. He was a servant. He was a servant of the house. He was under the authority and leadership of that house. And he says in this example, you can't serve two masters. And the word means much more than just can't. It literally means you don't have the ability. You don't have the power to serve two masters. You can't have two sovereigns in your life. You can't have two kings that you profess loyalty to. Of course, this is what the Pharisees are doing. And their two masters they're trying to serve as God on one hand in the sacred realm and money on the other hand in the secular realm. Now, the word here for money is mammon. And it, it might mean money, but it, it could also mean all your possessions, all your stuff, <laughs> Right? And he's saying you don't have the ability to both serve all your stuff, your possessions, and God as well. Because their desires for you are different. So why can't I have two masters? Because they will master you in different directions. You see? Their desires for you are completely different. Both can't govern and lead your heart. And if you try, you will end up, Jesus saying, hating the one secretly and loving the other. Now notice that word. He says that they are lovers of 
money. Verse 14, which means they coveted money. They coveted possessions. Now remember, Jesus had just taught to be his disciple, you've got to take up your cross and you've got to die. You've got to count the cost. You've got to surrender all to him and renounce all. And he's dealing with one of the major reasons that the Pharisees could not become his disciples. They would not because they're possessed by their possessions. <laughs> For them, following the rules of God accomplished their religious goals, and that was good. And then their possessions accomplished the rest of their goals in life. And Jesus is pushing past their religious exterior. He's getting into their heart. And he's saying, you've got one hidden master, someone behind that really pulls all your strings. It's your possessions. You're possessed by your possessions. And notice their response. The word there is they ridiculed him. Verse 14. It means to mock, to sneer, to, to scoff at, to laugh at. Like you might ridicule my bad jokes, and rightly so. You scoff at, you laugh at. You're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> we would never ridicule your bad jokes, Rusty. Now, remember earlier, they had grumbled, right? It angered Jesus because they thought he was soft on sin. They thought he's a big liberal, you might say. He was soft and accepting on sin when he ate with sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. They, they let him have it for it. Now, he is teaching strongly on sin on the other side, and they ridicule him. So, why can they grumble at Jesus for eating with sinners on one hand and saying you're soft on sin, and then ridicule him when he's hard on sin and he condemns it? Because they see no problem serving both God and their possessions, right? They're dividing their life between the sacred, this is God's, and you're breaking that Jesus by eating with sinners and everybody sees it, and the secular part of my life, you're pushing back. So they hate Jesus because he challenges them on both fronts. He's saying you can't have two masters. You're going to hate the one and love the other, which is exactly what they do. They hate and reject God by hating and rejecting the Messiah, Jesus. Because they don't serve two masters, they really serve one. So they grumble when he eats with sinners on one hand, and then they ridicule him when he reveals the sin of their heart on the other. Now, we must get this. We too can try to serve two masters. It's very easy. Or to have, to have two lives. Or, or to obey two desires. And the result is always grumbling and ridicule, just like the Pharisees. So, we grumble and defend the life we live outside of God's will. Or, we ridicule and make jokes to hide what is really controlling our hearts when we're confronted. Just like the Pharisees. Years ago, there was a, a pastor who led a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy business owner to Christ. And as he was discipling him, it came out that this man was not tithing. And so... The pastor came up to him, and I, I know this man, I, I love him, I can actually just see him doing this. 
he came up to him and he said, you know, uh, John, I, I noticed that, you know, you're, you're not actually tithing to the church. And John, who had a wonderful company, said, do, Pastor, do you know how much money we're talking about here? Do you understand if I tithe how much money we're talking about? No, I'm not tithing to the church. And the pastor just said, okay, let's just pray, John. He prayed something like this. Lord, would you take away some of John's money so he can be faithful and tithe again? Amen. <laughs> now, <laughs> from that point on, John began to tithe. He went from grumbling to faithfulness. Now, what changed? Was he a Christian? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was saved by grace through faith. But his heart was divided between two houses, two directions, two desires, between sacred, Christ is my Savior, secular, this is my business. And he realized he can't love Jesus with half his heart and half of his life. But he must love Christ with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength and allow Christ then to govern for his kingdom all my possessions. And so, my friends, Jesus says your heart does not have the ability to love two things supremely. It can't do it. Your heart, your life has only the capacity to love and serve one thing as Lord, one thing as the satisfier of your life, one thing supremely as your king. And it is very easy to be like the Pharisees and to go through all the religious motions and still have our life controlled behind the screen by something like our possessions. Okay, so how do we think and live this? How do you take this from your head to your heart? Well, how do, how do you know if your house is divided between Jesus and your possessions or something else? Well, how do you know if you're ripped between two kingdoms? Because I can always justify one. Well, the simplest way to discern idolatry is to ask ourselves, are we ruled by our desires? Are we ruled by our desires? Here's what I mean. First, do you spend all your time dreaming? Maybe on Pinterest. That's how a lot of us dream. Dreaming about what you're going to have someday. So that what brings you joy is not actually what Christ has given you now, but dreaming about your possession someday. And when you get it, then you believe, now when I get that, then I will have arrived, then I'll be living the good life, then I will be satisfied. And Jesus says to us in John 7, 37, if anyone thirsts, are you thirsting like that? <laughs> Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In other words, Jesus has given you the great possession to give you the good life that you are longing for. And that's his spirit in you himself. The good life is found when we are walking in, being led by, living in the power and fellowship of His Spirit. So yes, we can dream, and yes, there's nothing wrong with me thinking about the future, but when those type things begin to control my desires and my heart, they move into idolatry. And Christ pulls us back and says, look, I've 
given you your heart's desire. It's in you. It's me. I am that possession. Second, do you make career decisions that are not good for your spiritual growth or your family, but will provide you with more opportunity to get ahead and have a greater piece of the pie? So when you think about your career, you're making decisions. Is, is, is spiritual and family a very small slice in getting ahead and what you could possess everything else? Let me say it like this. There's nothing wrong with success in business or your vocation. Those are good things. As long as achieving those goals don't become your master so that you're willing to sacrifice your spiritual life and the good of your family to achieve it. It's Luke 15, 33. Therefore, anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be not his disciples. Our careers, our ambitions must be brought under his wisdom and guidance of Christ. In doing that, I am saying I trust Christ will lead me to whatever is best for me and my family. Third, do you find that your time is spent coveting what God has not given you but giving someone else so your spouse your home your career your income your family is always being measured in your own mind against what God is giving someone else someone else's spouse someone else's car someone else's career or income or children even and the result is always ridicule and grumbling at Christ Paul says in Philippians 4, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Listen, that's covetousness, and covetousness is an insatiable appetite for what God has not given you. Insatiable. It can never be satisfied. It always shows itself at grumbling at the hand of God for what he has given you. And eventually this idol, unless repented of, will raise itself up against God and say, Lord, if you love me, you would give me that. Therefore, you don't, so I'm going after that. My friends, possessions and money, that's not the issue. <laughs> the question is, are your possessions surrendered to Christ? Have you entrusted them and how you pursue them into his hand? Let's close with this. Second. Trust Christ to supply all your needs. Trust the Lord to supply all your needs. Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let's close with this. When you trust in Jesus, he is the Lord of all your life. You have a full Savior. God's filled him, and he's filled for you. You have his perfect righteousness to make you right with God. You have his spirit to change you day by day. You have his wisdom to guide you in all decisions in life. You actually have his presence to comfort you, his power, and his supremacy over all things to supply all your needs. This and much more God gives you in Christ. Now, Christ is your greatest possession. If you haven't heard anything else I've said, hear that. Christ is your greatest possession. He is a possession that can't be purchased or earned or accomplished by religious works. But you receive him freely by faith. And we only possess Christ when our faith has received him as our Lord and as our master.
Now, when Christ is the Lord of your hearts, it is not a loss of freedom for him to be Lord and master. It is a gaining of freedom. What do you mean? When Christ is Lord, he's the master. Your heart's not divided. I am free from endless pursuit of possessions and career advancements to satisfy me. In Christ, I find satisfaction. As a pastor, I don't have to always be looking for the bigger and the better church. I am free from trying to justify myself before men like the Pharisees do by constantly parading my good deeds for all to see. Christ is my justification. I am free for the first time to know and to love and to obey God, to draw close to him with an undivided heart because Christ has now made my heart his home and he is renovating it, filling it with joy and more of his presence to be like him. Those are the fruits and the freedom of the undivided heart that he talks about. Father, I just praise you and my heart can be divided sometimes. The world's always appealing to our hearts. If you have this, if you worship this thing, if you commit your life and your children's lives to pursuing this, it'll satisfy you. Lord, and it's so easy. And I just pray right now you would show each believer in this room other areas maybe possessions, maybe something else that has begun to be an idol, control our lives, our attention throughout our day. Father, we just surrender all of our heart our careers, our possessions, whatever we have, our children, our desires and dreams for them, whatever they might be, the desires for our business to grow, for our name to be known, for our reputation. Lord, we just surrender all those things under your kingship, and we trust that no one loves us more, has more wisdom to lead and guide than you. God, rule those things for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.